0: the u.s fire journal podcast we offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information now here's your host jay good afternoon and welcome into the podcast i am jay today is may the 17th it's a tuesday And the year, in case you're wondering, is still 2022. Got a bit to talk about today. I've uh, been looking at the podcast and working on um, figuring out the best publishing solution for it. And I've been fairly busy with some health concerns and also a separate podcast on a separate subject. Um, But that now has... Uh, Those have been set aside for a little bit of time. I'm going to focus back on the U.S. Fire Journal and uh, start publishing four times a week. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday is the goal. Um, So let's get started and look for it at your favorite place to listen to a podcast. Just start looking for it daily. uh, I've got some questions I want to answer because I didn't get around to that on Friday, but I want to start out with the probie corner. The probie corner is something that I did uh, back in starting back in 2007, maybe, um, and uh, I want to get back into that because I get lots of questions, uh, both from uh, probies and from people who are assigned probies or they're training a new class or whatever. And um, I'd written an article about this a long, long time ago, and I guess people liked it. Um, you know, I have a very straightforward opinion of probationary firefighters, and that's that, um, you can, you can take them and mold them properly, or, uh, you can allow them to, to just, uh, be a clump. The ones who end up just being clumps typically aren't successful. Also, those who, you know, wince at the sound of being called a probie, you go to a new fire department you're a probie. Sorry. Suck it up, buttercup. If you don't like it, don't leave departments and go to other ones. That's pretty much the simple case. Um, you might not be the same as a green probie, but that's what you are. So four tips for probies. Here's the first tip, and it's one that will get you through life, um, not just in the fire department, but anywhere, anywhere, but especially as a probie. Listen to what you're being told there's several different types of of listening you know listening that takes place right um, you have people who are active listeners they're actually listening they're trying to take in what's being said you have those who appear to be listening they're actually just waiting to respond so you tell them yeah um this truck has. I'm gonna throw out some arbitrary numbers. We got 400 feet of three-inch hose right back here. They go, well, you know, um, uh, so is so this place where I volunteered before they had sick. Nobody cares, you know. You're being talked to. If you're a proby, just listen. It's not that questions are bad, but listen first. So if they tell you there's 400 feet, you know, we got 400 feet of three-inch right here and we use that for X, Y, Z, say to yourself, well, okay, they've got four or we've got 400 feet of three inch the shoes right here. Later, if you want to, to wow them or thrill them with your acumen, uh, try it then. It won't work, but try it then. Um, but in the meantime, be an active listener, not a passive listener who just can't wait to respond. Trust me, people pick up on it pretty quickly. Um, So what are you? Be an active listener, but listen above all else. Listen. Number two, this is one I think that not everyone does certainly, not every probie. The most successful ones do. Write it down. Most people tend to believe that they can remember everything you're ever going to tell them. Those people would be wrong. Those people would be out of touch and clueless. Nothing looks worse than somebody who's ended their probationary period and they don't know where anything is or what it's for. Typically, it's because they take in that information, they process it quickly, and if you ask them right then, they can probably regurgitate it. But what happens when you're on a fire ground somewhere and somebody tells you to go get the if Well, you don't know what an if is or where it is. Bottom line, Listen and book it. What do I mean by book it? Commit it to memory. We commit to memory best when we repetitively record it. I'm not saying sit down and write it a hundred times or do the Bart Simpson thing on the chalkboard. That's not what I'm talking about. Unless it takes you to do that. Now with the advent of technology, go out to a compartment, look in it, take a photograph of it on your phone, and study it okay? That's what pros do. Pros learn what's in a compartment. If you're a probie, that is king job number one outside of learning how to, you know, put on your SCBA and wearing your gear and all that. You must know where stuff is on the truck. It is absolutely soul-destroying for anybody to look at someone and know that that person doesn't know where anything is on the truck and doesn't know what it's used for. Forget getting into your second, third, fourth, fifth year and you don't know what something is on the truck. You're not a pro, you're just not. Sorry, you're an amateur. You should know your vehicles. That's your toolbox. We expect law enforcement officers, we expect people, those people to understand their weapons and the law. We do. Thankfully, that's, that's a requirement. As firefighters, you need to know your tools and where they are. That's your gun. It is. SCBA, everything. Know it all. By the end of your first year, no one should be able to stump you on what's on your, your vehicle. No one. And if you're struggling with it, you didn't do your probie year right. So book it always. Number three, be first to everything. First in in the morning, okay? It means something. Be the first to make coffee. Don't give me the whole, well, I don't drink coffee. Yeah, well, guys sitting around, they're not probies either, but they're supposed to take care of you, so you take care of them. If it's time to do chores, be the first to do it. Dishes, be first. Trust me, it creates and makes an impression. I know for a fact people will sit around and talk about a person and measure their worth. Don't forget, you're new. They will measure your worth on what you're willing to do to help out everyone else. The ones who don't, that think they're too good, or I've been on the job for 27 years, you're still new. Do the dishes. Otherwise you get a reputation that hot water and soap, you could put bleach on it, it will not take it off. Know your role. Be first, be first, be first. And number four, I've replaced with fear the recliner. This could be a couch; it could be a genuine recliner. You hear people that struggle in their first year. Ah, he's he's had issues. You know, he can't do this, he can't do that. But then, when you walk in the station, what do you see? Person, that person sitting in a recliner on the couch. And I got to be honest with you. If you're doing that, you don't have a book in your hand, you're not studying, you got issues. You do. Nobody owes you anything. You owe the crew. The crew doesn't owe you yet. Get out of that recliner. In fact, I don't care what position you're going for. Whether it's a brand new firefighter, a driver, company officer, if you can spend the time getting better at what you do spend that time doing that at night after 1900 say you want to get in a recliner it's on you it's difficult to respect people that do nothing no one ever got great at the job of firefighting by doing nothing by just sitting around i'm not saying don't take breaks that's different Um, I get it. We all get it. Don't sit in recliners or on couches or lay in the bed, just lay in there. Just don't do it. You again, create a reputation about yourself and trust me, it follows you. I've spent the last month and a half talking, uh, talking up people that, that, who are young firefighters, who are going for promotions, I've spent quite a bit of time talking them up to to people who matter. I will not talk up a single soul, not one, and neither will a lot of other people, who just sit around. Sorry, I'm not doing it. I don't care how nice you are. I don't care about any of that. If you're not working for it, if you're not putting forth the effort, you shouldn't get it. You shouldn't be gifted something that takes people years and years to learn. Sorry. If you can't hack it, grab your jacket and hit the door. That's the way it should be. So, those four proby rules listen, always. You know what? Commit it to memory by putting it in a book, on a piece of paper, on your phone, whatever. Book it. Number three, be first. Be first. Important. Number four, you're the recliner, for the recliner will eat you and spit you back out. Let's move into some questions. I, you're welcome to send questions editor at usfirejournal.com. I got quite a few. I've narrowed it down to about eight. Um, and the re- way I narrowed it down, I, I took there were a few that I threw out simply because uh, um, they required me to describe issues that I think are best left uh, via private exchange. But Someone asked me this. This is the first question. It was off of, of a podcast where we talked about attic fires. And they said, look, what is the difference um, when you're attacking an attic fire and a basement fire? Beside the obvious, they're in two different points, uh, two different levels of houses. Uh, but what's the big difference? Can you name one, the bi- or can you name the biggest difference? Well, for me, right off the bat, the biggest difference is ventilation. Um, you get a fire in an attic it is typically uh, going to be ventilated. It's either going to self-ventilate or you have easy access to, to pop the roof, you know, pop the top, uh, take out a, a, a window at either end, um, those, little, those little peak holes. Um, you can take those out and you can start lifting the hot smoke, uh, the hot gases and smoke. In a basement, it's a far different picture. Number one, you're typically going down into the basement. So you're going through the chimney. If it's, a, if it's a stair, if it's a set of stairs going down in the basement, you're fighting that fire from, from the first floor and you're working your way down, you are going through a chimney. That's where all the hot gases and smoke are concentrated. Um, so the biggest difference is that um, you're dealing with something that's below grade with below average ventilation. Um, if there's an exterior door, maybe somebody's been able to pop it. Um, if there are windows down there that stick just above grade, maybe people have vented it already. Maybe the fire's vented it. But it is a tremendous difference fighting an attic fire and a basement fire. Um, the other thing is, is that attic fires, um, you do have to be careful. You do. You can fall through the floor. Um, you can have a collapse. A basement fire, you can be trapped. Um, You get a basement that collapses, and you can take out a whole hose team or more hose and truck. Um, There are issues uh, arising from basement fires that have uh, great memory and, you know, that are are huge memories for many in the fire service throughout fire service history. Uh, Collapses, again, of basements, and uh, the killing of firefighters or severely injuring them. Uh, people have also died in attic fires, but much less so than in uh, basement fires, at least in in the, the numbers of firefighters that get often get caught in basements. And, you know, one of the other things is uh, sometimes a basement fire will go undiscovered. An attic fire is typically uh, going to be discovered rather rapidly, whether it's by a neighbor, people driving by, Homeowner, whatever the case may be, law enforcement, just happened to drive by and see an attic fire. I had one like that uh, where law enforcement called it in, and uh, we got there pretty quick. We were able to knock it down rapidly. Uh, In a basement fire, again, someone might see it quickly, but not as quickly or as visibly as an attic fire. So there are tremendous differences, and uh, it's important to, to differentiate between the two because both require... An aggressive attack however both require a different aggressive attack there has to be uh, coordination uh, things that you think about a little bit more on one that you might not think on the other so the biggest difference though right off the top ventilation Um, yeah uh, Jay I am a uh, deputy chief in a fire department of about 300 and I have to tell you, this generation is driving me insane. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but it's the, quote, I deserve, end quote, generation. Uh, what say you? I, um, I have met people from this generation who believe that they deserve uh, whatever it is they want. Maybe they want to be a firefighter, but they don't want to put in the work. Um, and some of them that don't put in the work or that fail to take it seriously um, yeah, first thing they'll tell you is, yeah, well, you know, I deserve this. And no, you don't. Um, what you deserve is an opportunity to compete for a job. You don't, quote, deserve, end quote, to get it. You don't deserve to get sent to a particular engine company, truck company, rescue, whatever. Um, deserve is a, is a word, I think, that is uh, misunderstood. Um, opportunities, Absolutely. Uh, results. You deserve the results that you get. Period. There are people out there who uh, don't like physical ability tests or physical agility or whatever you want to call them. They don't like them because they don't do well on them. And so they try to fight them. And they say, well, I deserve the same. No, you deserve an opportunity to compete. But if you want the same position that another person is getting, and they can outperform you, you've got to get better. Period. You know, if you can't raise a ladder, if, if you can't uh, wear an air pack and, and do a set of skills, if you can't pull a large hose line, a, a, a distance that's required, you've got to work on your your physical abilities. You do. You shouldn't get something just because you want it. You can fight very hard. You can. Um, that's like a seventeen-year-old saying, "I deserve to be an Olympic champion." Well, what have you done? I ran track. Well, congratulations, but you don't deserve to be an Olympic champion. You don't even deserve to be in the Olympics. You know, and and so from that perspective, yes, I think there are people who are who are of a certain age. They they do. They think they deserve. Uh, whatever it is they want. But I've also met people from this generation who work very hard um, and who do the right things and who do uh, study and who do work on their physical fitness, and they end up doing well. So I think we have to always go back to individuals. Um, I know there's a whole generational thing. When I was growing up, I heard all about how my generation sucked and we were soft. And uh, And then the next generation comes up and it's, it's repeated ad nauseum all the way through the current one. And to be sure, there are attributes that each generation possesses that are, you know, yeah, you can say that they attach to a lot of people, but we always have to go back to individuals it's the same as saying well you know uh, I've look we've all heard this a short person can't be on a truck company not a real truck company that used to be the the uh, uh, the statement that was made but that's absolutely untrue it can be a little more challenging for someone but if they're up to the challenge then have at it so yeah, it's easy to get down on generations and, and say what's going on and all this, but at the end of the day, I really believe that it comes down to individuals, and that's what I would say in this case. Um, are there people who think they they should be gifted everything? Sure, but there are plenty out there that don't feel that way, too. Uh my grandson is becoming a firefighter. I'm an old school firefighter, but I'm trying to figure out a book for him. If you had one book to buy for any probationary firefighter, what would it be? That's a good question. Um, and, you know, as an old firefighter, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure you have your thoughts on it. Uh, but since you asked, I really believe uh, safety and survival on the fire ground. Um, it's a little... It can be a little much for a new probie, but um, I just think, and it's by Vincent Dunn, I think it's a great book because it starts early, um, keying in on survival. And I also think that anytime you can take lessons away from one of the greatest in the history of the fire service, I think that's always positive too. Building Construction for the Fire Service, uh, Francis Branigan and and, and the newer edition's also a great one. Um, you know, I like the Battlespace series, too, uh, also by Vincent Dunn. Um, I've, I've got the Battlespace series, and I find it to be um, uh, an excellent primer for, for both. Again, it might be a little much for a new firefighter, but maybe not. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I'd probably go with Safety and Survival Um, building construction for the fire service and then the Battlespace series. $100 each, though, or $114 or something like that for the Battlespace series. So, uh, Books aren't free, that's for sure. Um, Yeah, here's a good one. Um, Our engine company, it seems like every time we come in, there's a new hose line configuration on the engine, wondering what you think is the best. Well, this is a debate that I think, has split families throughout the year, and that's, uh, okay, how should we put the hose on the truck? Um, I actually recall, um, and we were in, in one place I was at, we had two companies that were in the same building, both engine companies, and I recall the other engine company, the engineer actually punching a firefighter because they were arguing over uh, hose loads and quickest way to get them off and we were in this backyard we shared the you know the backyard uh, rear of the station so we were out there and they just we were all talking about it and they ended up getting into it ended up uh uh, having to be separated and and uh, so i mean these things uh if you talk to 10 people you'll get eight and a half nine different answers um the best hose line configuration uh you know, how to lay hose in the hose bed and and wherever you have your attack lines, however that that turns out, Um, high-rise packs and everything. To me, the best always is simple. Firefighting's hard enough, and the more jobs you get, the more you realize that the fancier the configuration, the more problems you're going to have. Um... I'm a a big believer in trying to keep it as simple as possible. I think sometimes people get bored. And because they're bored, they think they have to reinvent the wheel. This happens a lot with new company officers, too. They feel like, gosh, I'm an officer now, so obviously um, we have to do something about these storm clouds. Um, It's just a natural thing, and, and it's unfortunate because it drives people crazy. But again... The best hose line configuration on an engine, to me, is the simplest. Now, I'm not going to tell you what to do, because that just starts another argument. But try to make it as simple as possible, because the simpler we keep things, when you pull up to a fire scene, if there are people trapped, um, you're going to have a lot of yelling. The last thing you want to do is trying to be figure out, try to figure out uh, what kind of hose load you got on there? You want to be able to grab hose and go. You don't want firefighters having to go through five separate steps just to, to, to flake out the hose. It's just, it's stupid. Um, the bigger departments that are great, the smaller departments that are great, are the ones who pick a hose configuration and they train the hell out. I mean, they do. They train the hell out of everybody on it. Most guys will sit there and go, I've pulled hose. I know how to pull hose. I mean, you just grab it. Well, fair enough. But again, we go back to amateurs or pros. The pros, they practice because they know anything that will go wrong, anything that can go wrong will go wrong on a scene. And it's best to have that, those repetitions in there so that you can begin to look around and go, you know what? Um, We figured this out the other day. You know, that's how that goes. So, best configuration, simple. What do you think is the uh, best method of figuring friction loss on the fire ground? It's funny you should ask that. Um, I mentioned the other day um, I was sitting with some guys who were studying for promotion. Um, Good group of guys, uh, guy leading it. Awesome dude, awesome firefighter. Um, And, you know, ultimately, there's a couple of different things, and and I know this drives some people crazy. There are things you do on a test that you would never do on the fire ground, just the way it is. Um, You should learn the most efficient method for you. On the fire ground, however, look, you don't have time to pull up, set the parking brake, gauge the pump, get out, Pull out your handy-dandy uh, phone or whatever, and start figuring up friction loss. Some guys will say, "Well, yeah, you do." No, no, you're punishing people. Then you want a ballpark, you want a ballpark figure there. Get the line charge. Get water to the people who are on the business end of the line. Get a supply line. Figure out your friction loss. Hopefully, you've got some a sheet or sheets or some kind of little uh, cheat sheet or whatever that helps you to, to figure out, okay, I've got 300 feet off, and this is what I'm going to pump. Because ultimately, here it is. We want to be as precise as we can. We do, because it's good. However, firefighting is uh, time-sensitive, very time-sensitive. Some people need five minutes to figure out everything. People don't have five minutes that are trapped in a fire. Firefighters are attacking a fire. They don't have five minutes. They just don't. So be smart about it. Cheat sheets and reel it in later. That's what you have to do. Um, again, for a test, uh, for for the people that come around and say, "Wow, well, what's the <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. You know, figure it out on your test. Do those types of things. Bottom line, ballpark it. Take care of your people. Give them water quickly so they can get down to business. I am a first-year firefighter, and I am assigned to an engine company. I am deathly afraid of ladders, and I'm wondering, will that be an impediment to me becoming a fire officer? It should be. Not you being afraid. Um, That shouldn't hold anybody back. I mean you can you can fight through this, but to not climb ladders? No. There there's no fire chief, there's no fire chief or assistant chief or battalion or anyone worth their weight and spit that's going to hire anyone who can't climb a ladder. You just it's a job requirement. It's one of the top three job requirements. You have to be able to go up ladders. Imagine this. Get to a scene, you jump off the truck, there's a fireman who's already there, right? There's already a company there. He's hanging out of a window, he's dying, and you can't climb a ladder. I don't know about you, but I know that a lot of good people uh, would make your life very uncomfortable. Here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. Nothing at all. Ladders aren't natural. You know, there's a reason why human beings have to build ladders. It's because we can't fly to the third floor. But as a part of your job, you don't have to be somebody who loves spending all day on ladders, but you've got to be able to climb them. You've got to be able to go up, come down. Now, coming down, there's a couple different ways. You can fall. That's the pretty rapid way. Don't recommend. But you have to learn to climb and come down a ladder. And you're going to have to do it in times of extreme duress. If you can't get over your fear, you owe it to yourself and you especially owe it to citizens and other firefighters to find another job. You're being hidden is what it ends up being. And the person responsible for hiring you has just absolutely, they've screwed up beyond belief. They have. I know I wouldn't want to work with someone who refuses to climb a ladder. What happens if I'm in a room and I need to get out and I can't, and that's the person that has to get me? Brother, I wish you well. I really do. absolutely do. Uh, But you're going to have to get over it. My guess is you will. And you could be a very effective fire officer. Even if you're fearing it, you can still be a very effective fire officer, but you have to be able to climb the ladder. Period. Um, another one what do you think is the single biggest attribute for a com- for a new company officer? Uh, single biggest attribute I would say um, if I'm looking for one thing it would be uh, job knowledge knowing the job in order to do it you have to know it and you have to have people who have had practice at it and when they are and if they're not getting a lot of of fires they have to be good when they do that's the bottom line you, know, you the fewer fires you have the fewer you have to recover from you make a mistake you make a reputation for a long time in some departments there's not another fire a week later two days later whatever it is to to correct that mistake so single biggest attribute knowing the job number eight um and this will be our last one um I have some issues with women in the fire service, particularly uh, the the physicality of the job. I'm wondering where you stand on it. Uh, Where I stand on it is this. This is 2022. Women have been in the fire service for a long time now. Um, There are women who uh, who are physically gifted. There are men who are physically gifted. There are men who suck at what they do, and there are women who suck at what they do we're past the point of the issues with women in the fire service. Um, I get tired of talking about it because it's a fact of life. And the women that I know that are good at what they do, they typically um, realize their shortcomings just as the men who are very good at what they do realize theirs. Um, I don't play any games. I'm not trying to win any contests on, on anything. But there are women and men who struggle. There are women and men who excel. You know what? Try to be around the ones who excel. I don't mean excel at kissing up to the chief or taking them to dinner. I'm talking about the people who excel at the job, at the job performance. That's where it matters. Male, female, color doesn't matter. Nothing else matters performance. That's what matters. That's going to do it for today. We will be back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe.